Hello, welcome to the New Stack Makers, a podcast where we talk about at scale application development, deployment, and management. Security at Scale is a new series of podcasts powered by Okta. We'll explore security in modern environments with stories from the trenches, including security horror stories and fantastic failures. Security at Scale will give listeners a deep dive into the fascinating world of security and help improve their practical skill sets. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the New Stack Makers. I'm so excited for this show today. It's part of our Okta series, and the topic is Day of Security, Building a Security-Minded Culture. And our guests are Deidre Diamond, founder and CEO of CyberSN, founder of Security Diversity Cybersecurity Talent Solutions. Thank you very much for joining us, Deidre. It's great to be here. And Victoria Mosby, federal sales engineer at Lookout. Hello. Hey, Victoria. Hey, Victoria. And the co-host for the show today is Randall Deggs of Okta, head of developer advocacy there. Randall, great to have you here again. What up? I can't believe I'm back and still alive in the middle of a pandemic. So that's awesome, as always. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> so let's get right to it. You know, the, the topic today is about building that security-minded culture, but... Sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, I really want to know what's on your mind, Victoria. What is it that you see so much and you just kind of like go, ah, this is not the way it should be done? Oh, I have so many horror stories I could tell you. But some of the main things, uh, so I've worked in a number of security shops and uh, I even started as an intern in one and kind of moved up from there. And some of the main things that were always is we write massive policies and no one follows them. Everyone wants a shortcut or a waiver. So, you know, simplified policies is probably the easiest thing that we could do. And then, you know, just general security awareness. Everyone wants their tools to do exactly what they want them to do, or they want the new thing without any consideration to, you know, how security has to play into that. And then when security does get involved, we're now the bad guys. We're always the bad guys. <laughs> but you're the security team. Yeah. Or the no team. That's what everyone calls us, usually. <laughs> I have to admit something to both of you on this on this uh, podcast, because that's been me a lot of the time. I stumbled <laughs> into the security industry from the developer side. So I've always been a developer, and I got into it doing operating system level security like years and years ago. And for the last eight years or so, I've been more involved on the web security side, particularly around like you know, building developer tools and services for like handling authentication and authorization and things like that. And I am so guilty of doing this a lot of the time, just viewing security groups as like, oh my God, they're going to say no. Like we have to like convince them of all these things. And I always feel terrible about it. And over the last four years, I've had this like realization that like I was the problem a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been this thing where I'm trying to like improve myself. And then also just like the general culture of other developers that I work with day to day to get people to just think more about security on the regular. So maybe you could just like drop some general opinions on that. And like, what are some things people like me can do in general to just like be better partners in the security side? Definitely. There are a few things, especially from a developer perspective, just being aware of the security practices that go into your code at, from a get-go, even if it's just a matter of being aware of the type of vulnerabilities or threats that can go against your code. And that's usually what we're looking at as a, you know, the security professional. So Getting those tools, uh, not those tools, excuse me, those classes 
that, you know, go over what is a cross-site scripting issue or a SQL issue or things like that, I think really help the developer's mindset. It's like, I know that they can get in this way or this is, these are the types of things they might be trying to do. So I can work around that or, or build my code to account for that. That's kind of really the bigger things I see on the developer side. The knowledge of uh, what vulnerabilities are is is definitely a great a great place to start and where everybody should be thinking. You know, as a as a CEO of a tech company, it's been fascinating to watch you know security and dev and a lot of times when I first started managing these groups, I would think of what sales and marketing used to be or can still be in a company having come up in sales, you know? And so to me, this isn't necessarily about the tech. It's about how humans interact with each other and being interested in what each other's jobs are and understanding why. And so what I'm super thankful for is that our chief security officer, who's been with us just be five years this year and his team and the way that they communicate with us and take the time to tell everybody why and and they're okay with people having questions and also finding you know that the having devsecops you know uh, is critical hence why that those jobs are more you know more and more uh, every day we have a security engineer that became our devsecops and he loves it and um, I, now I feel like the team is you know and, and, and certainly was in the beginning but even more so tied together so you know that's been really awesome to watch and I think it's a lot of how humans interact with each other in general like we're trying to get things done and we don't want to you know, be told no, even if we should understand that no could be good for us. <laughs> Okta allows you to protect your web apps, mobile apps, and API services while handling things like authentication, authorization, multi-factor authentication, social login, single sign-on, Active Directory and LDAP synchronization, API authentication, and much more. Never build off again. Use Okta. Absolutely. You know, I was going to add one other thing too, which is that I guess some of the places I've worked over the last, you know, 12 or so years, I sort of see this like general evolution in like, I don't know if security culture is the right word, but maybe like security awareness amongst the development groups and things like that. So sort of the level zero when I got started is I was working at companies where the development teams would build things and like literally never think about security. Like <laughs> there were definitely parts of my career where like I literally never thought about it twice. You know, like whether that was SQL injection vulnerabilities or cross-site scripting or whatever, like it literally like did not register in my brain and I just didn't think about it. Then at some point I noticed, okay, the companies I'm working at, like they have some basic like tools in place to sort of like make it easier to be cognizant of those things. So we had things like, you know, continuous integration and continuous deployment and things where it sort of forces you to think about it a little more. You're like, all right, if I'm deploying to this like particular EC2 instance or whatever, like are are there rules for like the network? Like are are all the ports exposed by default? Are we in a VPC? Um, then we got to the level uh, where, where I'm at now, I would say at Okta, where there's not only some of that automated stuff and you know automated code code fuzzing and things like that, but there's also like an actual security group that is reviewing commits in the project. They're thinking and working with the architecture teams to plan and do things out like that. And they have very detailed policies. So let me, here's my question for, for the two of you. Where can a company that like isn't thinking a lot about security today, where can they start to like see high ROI and like get the ball moving, I guess? Because I feel like a lot of people get stuck there, like with that first bit of momentum, like getting going. 
it depends on where you are. I think one of the easiest things you can start off with is probably one of the harder things to start off with for your company, especially like the startup mentality is an acceptable use policy of what you can do on the job versus what you can't do. That, you know, starts that ball rolling. But even beyond that, just looking at, I would say, the overall culture and security appetite for your company, for like your, you know, C-suite staff, but also for your, you know, uh, you know, on the ground field workers or developers, like what are the types of tools are they using? What are the types of things that they like to do or, or, or are doing on a regular basis? And then have that conversation together of, okay, we know that the developers are using these tool suites and they're doing this type of work. We know that the operational folks are doing this and we know that the field agents are doing that. Is there a common ground between all of them? that we need to secure. So the data that they have, they all have access to start internally and then move towards the end user because it's easier to change what you're doing from a company perspective versus getting the end users to immediately sign up to all these types of restrictions. That's usually where the real roadblocks come in is when you get to your end users like, hey, we need you to put the security tool in or we need you to start doing these security practices. It's not that they don't want to be security conscious, I find. It's more so they just don't want it to impact their jobs. So it, it's it's a slow build for the end users, whereas internally you can make more changes. That makes a lot of sense. Also, Victoria, I'm curious, what is your take on like automated tooling and stuff? You know, like I think as a developer, I find a lot of value in seeing some of the automated tools where like you almost are giving people a sense of like self-service security. Obviously, I know that's not like the be-all end all, but it's like some some step up from nothing. So what's your opinion on some of those automated tooling and like, should people be using that stuff? Like, is it not that valuable? Like, you know, I don't know. Just what's your opinion on it? Oh, it's a great, uh, those are great first steps uh, because if you as a security team can vet that this automated tool at least does what you need it to do from that basic perspective, that, that first level of checks and, you know, balances for your security, implement it implement it immediately because at least you have something in place for that security for you know for checking your security and it's a it makes your end users day easier because they can just as you said self-service throw their code in there let it check that way and they get a report back and then they move on with their day the, the less work you have to give them the happier they are absolutely and this is probably a really good entry point to talk about something i find really exciting which is the uh, day of security events Deidre, would you mind telling our viewers a little bit about Dave Security, how it got started, and sort of what the, the goal is? Yeah, I mean, it also pertains to the conversation that you two were having, you know, just raising security awareness. Really, that's what's made this conference as big as it is today and why Victoria and I are involved. Uh, it's a it's a one-day conference. It's about spreading the word to women of any background, 18 and older, about all the jobs in cybersecurity. And uh, and so in that way, we are spreading awareness around cybersecurity, which ultimately is what this all comes down to as humans and all of them, us being super aware. And then, you know, to even make it more special, it's an event that not only did we sort of kick off the day with all the cybersecurity job categories, which 
uh, my firm has defined as 45 as of today. It was 35 a year ago and 20 something, you know, and it continues to grow. But to also have women teach the classes to show what these jobs are. So he's, so it's this exposure to all these types of jobs and then go see what those jobs are. Kind of like what we were talking about before, everybody understanding each other. And so while it is um, certainly, you know, that 25 to 30% are entry level that join us, the rest are security practitioners, whether it be one year up to, you know, uh, whatever age, right, of time in the business. And so it's really also brings together sisterhood, which is super cool. And we super need, you know, more and more allies, right, in order to help advance. And so it's just a wonderful conference that we are spreading security awareness, but also supporting the careers of entering and then developing by speaking and, and, and getting involved. And of course, our sponsors are there to hire people. So it's a nice win-win in that you know, capacity. So it's super exciting. It's our fifth uh, conference. It's the first time it's digital. So now we're going to have, well, certainly over 500 women, uh, but uh, traditionally it's been about 300. And it was, you know, really started with some folks at Lookout, which is where Victoria works out today, who were involved with OWASP, Matt Torben, Tan Whitaker, and Laura Lucia. And they started this with OWASP and the first event had about 18 people. Some folks from my team went to the event and we sort of together said, let's take this to a whole nother level. This is exactly what I'm about. My team knew that we're about, which is taking the financial barrier of education out of the picture. So not only can we bring women in for sure, that's a piece of it, but really all you know, humans, we're short so many people in cybersecurity. So while this event focuses on women, uh, the content is reusable for you know the whole concept of spreading the awareness of security jobs. So how do security topics, how do security issues change when you have more women in the organization? And I keep thinking about what Victoria said at the a few minutes ago about having that policy for do's and don'ts, what's right on the job and what's not. And that just seems very obvious, right? I mean, and especially in cultures where, you know, there are a lot of men and there are not as many women. So what do you see when when more women get hired and the workforce becomes more diverse? Well, you know, it's such a great question. First, first of all, you know, our attackers are of all backgrounds, genders, races, ages, and our attackers, you know, are diverse. And so if we're not diverse, when we know that the best defense to attacking is, you know, understanding how your attackers think, feel, and perceive, then we won't be, you know, we won't, we won't be able to, you know, win this or at least protect ourselves is a better way to look at it. So, so to me, diversity is a national security issue because how could we possibly defend us, ourselves against all genders that are attacking us, right? And backgrounds. And so, you know, we still have a challenge of not just encouraging women to come into the field because, as we know, most you know, of the, you know, socially what people see out in the field about security is the keyboard and a hoodie and you, you must be a bad person or, you know, all that weird stuff. And so we've got that. And then we've got the age old, you know, women are in business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Women are business and, and, you know, not really being able to break that middle management still. 
I mean, I represent the 1%. I'm 1% of, of the population of founding tech CEOs. I mean, it's, uh, we still have, we have that. So, so anyhow, Victoria, thank you for, for, for doing that because that's the, that's the only picture. And it's not to say that it's bad. It just recommends that it, it suggests that it's a highly technical role. And the reality is there's lots of roles that aren't technical, lots of roles that are technical, lots of, you know, and, and usually they're not a woman, like, you know, it was obvious that Victoria is a woman there, you know? <laughs> so, so there's a lot in this. It's super complex. I, I just want to add my own two cents on this because Alex, I think you made a great question. Like people always ask, like, what happens when you get more women into the job? Like what happens in all these situations? I know for me, one of the reasons I really love what both of you are helping do with Day of Security and just in general, why it's so important to have like, not only more women in the field, but just more people in general is because damn, it's so fun. Like the security industry is so much fun and there's not that many of us that do it. It's such a small community. Like I know that you both talked a minute ago about Matt Torben and Todd Whitaker and stuff. And like, I actually lived in an apartment complex next to Matt. That's how we met and became friends. And it's really funny in the security space. Like, it seems like there's so few people doing this work. And just in general, like, it would be awesome to have way more people in the industry doing things. It makes it more fun when there's other people that can take advantage of the cool benefits. Like, the jobs are fun. They're super diverse things you can work on. Maybe it's the development side, or maybe it's like the pen testing side or the researching side. Like, you know, just all the million different things you can do. Like, it just gets me excited thinking about getting more people into the field because it's so fun and I enjoy it so much. And like, I want other people to enjoy it too. So <laughs> it is fun to have different people around, uh, you know, of course, for sure. So, and I can imagine if you're friends with Matt, that you two, you know, I mean, Matt's not to say rare, it goes out of his way rare, you know, to help women in particular and teach. I mean, we do have a problem. And we won't defend ourselves if we don't include 51% of the population, <laughs> which is what women women are, right? You're saying like, it's so vast. Cybersecurity as just a general thing encompasses so many positions and industries and points of context that you can get into. When I started as an intern, I was doing policy work. Then I moved to strategic planning. Then I worked, moved to audit. Then I did assessments. Um, PKI, operations, infrastructure. Now I'm in mobile security. There are, <laughs> I did programming for a bit. There are so many positions and places you can get into. And I think that's one of the best things about cybersecurity, to Randall's point, is that there's any number of places that anyone can get into. A lot of the women that I know in this field and, you know, in cybersecurity are either on like the pen test side, like they're red teaming, or they're on the research in intelligence side, like threat intel. At Lookout, our threat intel team is made up of about six women and they are excuse my language, but they're badasses. So it's just, there's, there is something for everyone, even for those non-mathematical people like me. I'm not a math person. <laughs> I love security because if I don't want to do anything about this math or IP addresses and routing, I don't have to. <laughs> I love that. So let me, let me ask you, Victoria and Deidre, another question. If you're working at a tech company that doesn't have a, an equal representation of women, what is something you know, practical and actionable that people can do like today 
to help make their workforce more diverse, in particular, like in the web security space? I mean, like, what are some steps like anyone can take, whether they're, you know, engineering or on the security team or whatever, just to like help make a company more welcoming to women and get more women excited about wanting to work there? So one of the other things I work on in Lookout is I work on what's called the Lookout Foundation, which is our 501c3 charity arm. And one of our focuses there is women in STEM specifically for this exact reason. And so we're looking at reaching out to local community colleges, to different programs like Women Who Code or Black Girls Who Code and things like that, to, to you know do sponsorships, to do mentoring, to donate money, uh, to, you know, build up that interest for women in the STEM field, whether it be cybersecurity or another STEM field, to give them the tools and, and make these things, you know, known to them. In a lot of cases, a lot of women don't know that this is something that they might be interested in. So for companies that are interested in, you know, building out their own diversity or their own levels in terms of in- attracting more women, getting out there for, uh, you know, I, I can think of one off the top of my head, Go to a college that has, you know, known technical sororities or just sororities in general and say, hey, have you thought about security? Have you thought about, uh, you know, IT? Are you interested? We would be happy to sponsor a program or, you know, do a a career day or something like that. I mean, those are definitely easier steps to take when trying to say, you know, market yourself, say, hey, We've got jobs. We've got security jobs. If you don't know what it is, then hey, let me let me tell you a bit more about it and get your interest up. But that's really not the case today, is it? You know, in most organizations, there it's not the case where you have a, a diverse group of people in the security who are helping with your helping with the security posture. And no, I mean, I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask the question just why. I want to ask the question more about. What are the impacts of that? You know, and there's impacts on women in their careers, but there's also impacts in a lot of other ways that we could probably trace back to a lot of attacks, can't we? Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm at this point on a regular basis saying if our security teams are understaffed, and we know they are significantly understaffed, and burnout is a high you know, issue, and there and there is no real succession planning going on because the budgets don't exist. Well, then how isn't that a vulnerability in itself? Mm. And it blows my mind all the time to watch you know uh, these. Uh, organizations not want to go out and do what Victoria is talking about. You've got to put work into it. It's not going to just happen because you want it. You mm-hmm. got to go put work into it. You got to pay fees for firms like mine. Like these people aren't just sitting on LinkedIn. And even if they are, why are they going to talk to you? Your job description probably makes no sense. And they're not desperate. And so, you know, how are you going to get them without a specialty resource that knows how to talk that? that language and make matches. So we've got, you know, sort of this lack of money for sure. I mean, we, it's kind of like, I remember the, the IT in the late eighties, early nineties in the same place where security is today, very under budgeted. That in itself is a vulnerability to the humans that are already in the team. And that's why we see a high attrition security folks moving jobs every 18 months at the sea level. Never mind underneath them. So, how much can really get done, you know, with that? That's a vulnerability. Yeah, I worked at a a place, and I was one of two women on the security staff, the only woman of color in the group. 
Yes. Um, but I mean, it as a just overall cultural fit in terms of working with those those uh, the others and the gentlemen, I had a perfect time, had a great time. Of course, there were, you know, meetings of the mind occasionally, but that was more so I felt over a difference of opinion on the topic at hand versus me being a woman and being a man. But that having been said, the place I worked at changed CISOs three times wow. in the span of two two to three years. Mm-hmm. And when you're at that level, that CISO, that CIO level, the second you come in, you're drinking from a fire hose because you have so much information that you need to know. And if you're constantly changing and changing and changing, nothing's ever going to get done because that person's that new person's always trying to catch up and then they're out the door. And it's exactly the same when you get down to lower levels. In certain cases, it's even worse because you're expected to do operational day-to-day work. But if you never have the time or the care because some people just truly didn't care. This was just a stepping stone to the next best thing that had a better paycheck or something like that. Then, yeah, our the, the security teams are grossly and normally so understaffed and just so shorthanded that, yeah, it, to, to Deidre's point, it's, it's, it's scary when you think of it. And one, companies as a whole need to do more into putting more budget into the security, but not just for the tools, because they, they love tools. Everybody loves the brand new toy to play with. You need the actual human equity of who's actually going to be protecting you, thinking about these things, applying the policies, and you know doing the actual work. Tools are great, but people are what make or break you. Yep. I like that a lot, by the way. I think that's super useful information. So I have I have a slightly different question for uh, you, Victoria. Something I was wondering for, you know, for the people that listen to the New Stack podcast, a lot of them are developers in the tech industry. You know, maybe they're professionals or just hobbyists. What would you want to say to other women listening to this episode about like how they can find really cool tech security jobs, things that you, you know, that they're going to do really well in and that they're going to enjoy? Like, what are some tips you have from your experience, like doing that yourself? I know you work at Lookout, which in my opinion is a really well-respected security company, like seems like the the cream of the crop, so to speak. So like, what are some tips you have for the other uh, listeners out there to like help them get to a similar level? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's about one, knowing what you want. It took me a while to figure out what I really wanted to focus on. But even if you don't, and that, again, this goes to what I was mentioning earlier, cybersecurity is such a vast field that you can try different things. A lot of organizations, especially in the security department, while they may say hire you for one thing, more likely you're going to touch a whole bunch of things. So give it all a try, see what you like. But in terms of just getting in there and getting started, one of the things I like to really suggest people do is if they're interested in a given topic about cybersecurity or just in general, look into different universities and look at their uh, cybersecurity degrees. And I'm not necessarily saying to, to you know, sign up for it. It, it. You may not want to go back to school. I've got two classes left in my master's, and after that, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. But uh, reach out to the program uh, directors for those different degrees or those different classes and ask them and start that conversation. More than likely, they themselves already work in the field. Most adjunct professors work in the field themselves or work have those actual positions because you actually have to, is a requirement in most universities that you work the job you're teaching. 
and they can more than likely point you towards resources. They can get you in contact. You can build a mentorship with them. They can point you to different resources. That is kind of how I got started. And it's it's something that I don't think a lot of people really reach out and do a lot of. Networking is a big piece of most jobs and getting into most things, but it is definitely I think that's a real helpful way of getting into the cybersecurity field overall because there is just so much about it. And also, don't forget to attend Day of Security, right? Like, yes, oh, and Day of Security. Oh <laughs> yes, it's free. Absolutely I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and and Deidre, what about you? I know your organization also can sort of help with things like this. Like, could you give some advice to listeners who really want to get involved in this stuff as well? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I actually have uh, three slides that give all the not-for-profits that are out there, like Secure Diversity and Lookouts Foundation, but there's other WESIS and there's ones that aren't necessarily specifically for women, you know, ICMCP and what have you. A lot of those not-for-profits and are giving away certifications and trainings and degrees and ways to get in, uh, certainly universities in local towns, and then, um, you know, gov jobs. I'm always telling people, don't forget about gov jobs. What a great way to get in, you know, jobs.gov. I've got another slide that has others on there, but, uh, you know, really you got to network. You got to like, like, uh, Victoria said, you've got to know what you want to do. You don't, you can't just say, I want to be in security, and, and not know what part of security, which is why the day of security event is so important is that we're really showcasing that, but also just that content is around us and in our resources. So, so it's a combination of lots of things that certainly drive and passion and, and then networking and, and knowing where the resources are. There's lots of them out there. I have them on my website and you can always reach out to me. I have tons of resources for everybody. So I absolutely have loved this conversation. Like this has honestly been really useful to me personally. And also, I think there's some really cool lessons to take back to Okta and get people there excited about some of this stuff. If people want to learn more about you, Deidre, like what website should they go to? Or how should they get in contact with you to learn more and maybe hit you up for help or advice or whatever it might be? Yeah, absolutely. So cybersn.com. Uh, I speak a lot about how to get into this space and my all my videos are on YouTube with all those resources even, but I'm happy to, you know, send them again, send them to people. I do a lot on LinkedIn and everything that I'm doing, you can find on LinkedIn too. So I think those are the best two ways. And Victoria, what about you? How can people find you other than just Googling Victoria Lookout? Like I want to work with her. She looks awesome. <laughs> LinkedIn is def- I'm definitely there on LinkedIn. I have a Twitter. I don't use it that often. I'd have to send you the, that link, but <laughs> uh, yeah, LinkedIn is probably the easiest or you can email me victoria.mosby at lookout.com. I'm always happy to chat and point people in the right direction, connect people if I can. So uh, always happy to help. Well, I would just like to finish up and just say thank you so much. And please uh, tell your, you know, your colleagues, you know, in this world that we'd love to talk to them. And that we, and at the Newstack, we really encourage contributions from people who talk about their about what they do, narrating narrating their work, so to speak, mm. about at scale development, deployment, and management. And increasingly, that's about security. And yeah. we have been focusing a lot on the whole shift left phenomenon that we're seeing both in development, but also in, in, in security. And so cloud native technologies are, are becoming quite popular to, to develop scaled out architectures. And we're always looking for good stuff. So please tell your communities out there, the people you know, that the new stack uh, would love to see their contributions because we can give them a little promo in the 
you know, on our site. Yeah, you know, it's a great point. We should talk about having, you know, folks like yourself at the events now that they're digital, you know, and people could stop in and tell us, tell their story, share their stories. Uh, You need to share it. You know, I'll talk to the event program manager. There's still time. It's everything's digital. So we don't have to ship and fly and, you know, it's possible. So thank you. You're welcome. So thank you. Thank you all. Randall, you want to bring it out? Yeah, I just want to say again, thank you both for coming. This was super fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And also this year, I'm going to have to get involved in the next day of security events. Uh, I would love to do some more stuff. Maybe even Okta can be a sponsor this year. I will hit you up about this afterwards. But thank you for the time. This was super cool. And uh, until next time. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. See you, Victoria. (laughs) See ya. Security at Scale is a new series of podcasts powered by Okta. We'll explore security in modern environments with stories from the trenches, including security horror stories and fantastic failures. Security at Scale will give listeners a deep dive into the fascinating world of security and help improve their practical skill sets. Listen to more episodes of the Newstack Makers at thenewstack.io slash podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes, like us on YouTube, and follow us on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.